Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. I'm your host, Chauncey Hallworth, and this is my co-host, Sean. Hello. And we are here for what seems to be the first semi-clear sky in weeks. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a faded lilac. Yeah, Which yeah. is as close to blue as we get around here. Yeah, well, the other day it was like... um Right. There were like reverse clouds. There were like cloud-shaped spots of blue. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's been ranging from like tan to eggshell, yeah, basically. Yeah. So a little bit of blue was a welcome sight. Right. So my my wife, like like uh, many wives out there, is a is a plucker of eyebrows and stuff like that, and she'll plop down in front of the. The window so that she has like bright natural light, but for like the past two weeks, she's like plopped down and it's just been this like <laughs> neon yellow glow coming in. And my dog, you know, who likes to sleep in the sunspot is like sleeping in this like yellow square yeah. on the carpet. It's just, you know, just truly, truly been apocalyptic. Or this is natural light now. Right, right. And <laughs> for those of you here in Reading, you know exactly what we're talking about, but for those listeners around the world, we are coming Substitute out of... Substitute for Reading, your friendly neighborhood wildfire. Right, right. Because I'm sure you're on fire, too, wherever you are. I don't even right, know. you're at least experiencing it. But for those around the world, we come out of Reading, which is Northern California, and it has been on fire for weeks. Yes. Alright, so... uh uh, normally I ask you how you're doing, but I guess I'll ask you, how are you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm I'm good. Our house burned down, but... You <laughs> Aside know. from that, you're fine? Yeah, other than that, it's right. all good. Yeah, I had to set you up a little to, to talk about how you're doing, because, you know, people on our social media and in uh, Para-X have expressed some concern. Aw, that's yeah. nice of them. So, but no, I, I'm doing just fine. Everything's good, and, you know, it, it was just a house. True, true. But you are wearing all black for the first time. I've that never seen you. That is coincidental. I had to get a bunch of new clothes because everything burned down. And I was like, black is good. And black then, will get me out of the shopping mall right. faster than if I choose colors and try to coordinate. So you hate to shop. I hate shopping, yes. And black right. is thoroughly functional. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> all, practically everything I own is multiple shades of black or... Right. Or... Uh, Right, I mean, Maybe you're, you're not blue. exactly one to judge when it comes to wearing lots of oh, black. Oh, no, I'm not, but I've always done it. <laughs> no, yeah. that's true, you have. And I'm like, I don't know if there's some kind of, you know, you've got, like, fancy goths with all of your black stuff, but also, like, pendants and, you know, stripy long socks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there, you've got your people who just wear a lot of black because it's like they can't be bothered well yeah i you know the how i got i don't here know is, if that's some kind of mutated offshoot of goth or, or whether it's its own totally different thing i just don't know well i'm a grown-up rocker you know i was you know played in punk bands and all that stuff and then just like anybody right. else i mean so that's a, your excuse i made a baby and then all of a sudden i had to right. get a real job ah you know, classic error. Nothing killed the old chance faster than making a baby. <laughs> uh, she's 17 and a half now, though. So, yeah. So you I mean, you made it 17 and a half. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. We're almost done. I'm almost <laughs> oh, about God. I'm almost about to kick her to the curb. You know, see, th- this is what you think. But oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm aware. She's my youngest. I am aware. That it doesn't <laughs> happen that way. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, she may be the one that I made, but I also married two that were older and, you know, 23 and, and almost 19. But, 
you know, I guess you never stop being a parent. Your parents agree. Because where are you That's living right true. now, Sean? In a hotel room with my parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> like so many people who have gone through what you guys have gone through, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So anything good happened this week? You know, there's the guy no. who stole the airplane. That's distracting from the misery of the fire. That guy's crazy. So I think you and I may have a different definitions of good. Well, Entertaining, that, perhaps. That's like Ender's Game business, man. This guy, like, did nothing but play flight simulators on a PlayStation 4, <laughs> and he's able to take an airplane and, yeah. like, do inverted dives and stuff while talking smack in the radio. It's that's true. crazy, you know. Yeah. That's some sci-fi stuff right there. You know, people, that's some paranormal sci-fi conspiracy stuff right there. You know, the fact that this guy was able to just play video games and then turn around in real life and steal not only an airplane. I mean, this is this thing wasn't a Cessna. This was like a, a freaking a airplane. serious airplane. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, this guy was like doing loop de loops and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I of course, yeah, feel for his mental state of being. Not that so got good him. at the landing, though. Right. You know, I feel for his mental situation that got him there. Of course. Right. But I have to say that um, never in a million years would I have guessed that. Uh, I mean, maybe get it off the ground and crash it or something like that, but I mean, yeah. the, the aerial acrobatics. That you know, you're right, and um, I think flight simulators in particular have been extremely realistic for a long time. Yeah. I, I think it's hard to think of a different genre of, like, computer game that reaches anywhere near that level of realism. Right. Like, first-person shooters, no. Right. <laughs> like, that's not reality. Well, maybe. Give it time. Maybe it is. Eventually, yeah. Well, you know, I play a lot of video games. <laughs> um, so this this same daughter that I was talking about, Harley, who's 17 and a half now, mm -hmm. uh, when I was working for Bog Bean Books and Music, the owner uh, had hooked me up with this big old truck. And I might have told this story before, but it fits this flight simulator situation. Sure. Harley, Harley was like three, maybe two and a half. And, like, he hooks me up with this big old truck. It's, like, jacked off the ground. It's white with, like, purple flames. It's ridiculous. And um, and I don't blame Ben for liking it because it was ridiculously awesome. Right? It was ridiculous, you know. And so Harley loves riding in this truck with me, and I get this car seat for her that I put in the passenger seat, and she loves riding around in this big truck. And one morning I'm getting ready to go to work, and I'm just like, oh, crap, where are my keys? I'm looking around, and I'm looking around, can't find my keys, and eventually I think, okay, maybe I left them in the truck. And I go running out to the truck. And I open the door, and I find the keys in the ignition, the truck set to drive, and my daughter's car seat in the driver's seat, you know. And I'm just all, oh, my God. You know, she fully just tried to take off with the truck, like, in the middle of the night or something when I didn't know. And She'd like, had it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, these things... These things She's ready happen. to start her own life. Right. Luckily, she wasn't playing Gran Turismo or she would have been <laughs> out of there, you know? Yeah, she might have had a rude wake-up call with the, the brake pedals and all. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, it was an automatic. Might have been tough. To it was an automatic, to you know, had she gotten that thing turned over, yeah. it would have moved. Um, all right, so uh, our guest tonight, Dr. Richard Bolin. And uh, we Speaking are talking of apocalypses, right? We're talking about Star Childs, and we're talking about the warning from Zeta Reticuli that this year, before the end of this year, we all might die in a nuclear war. Fun, fun, fun. I'm not really sure how to say that nicely. Yeah. You know, that's 
That's that's the warning that's coming through, and that's what we're going to talk about with our guest, Dr. Richard Bolin, when we come back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Dr. Richard Boylan. Are you there with us, Doctor? Oh, I am indeed. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, you have an interesting tale to tell, and I hope you don't mind that, man, it's mind-blowing, you know, and it's it's definitely hard to digest, you know, but I'm I'm sure that I'm not the first one to tell you that, but I'm happy to hear it and 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 try my best to understand, you know, um... Maybe we should get started by asking you, how'd you get started in this in order to even be connected to some of these messages and ideas coming through? Well, I'm a senior citizen. I've been around a while. I remember as a very small child when uh, the newspapers reported the Roswell crash of a UFO in 1947. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents read that story, and I thought, gee, what do you know? There are people out there in the universe besides us. And in 1952, UFOs flew over the nation's capital night after night that summer, and the papers reported it faithfully. This is before the UFO cover-up came on. And so uh, those of us of a certain age can remember when the facts were told and reported uh, so, uh, to me, this reality has always been there. Uh, fast forwarding to my middle of my adult life, uh, I uh, was a psychologist uh, in Sacramento working uh, counseling people, and uh, I had uh, a thing happen that I had never encountered before uh, in the uh, 1992, people started to come in and uh, report that they'd had encounters with beings from another world, and I checked them out, of course, uh, looking for any signs of uh, that they were crazy or hallucinating or delusional. And uh, most of these people had no such signs. They were very upstanding citizens in the community. And so I uh, began to work with uh, them and even formed a group of them and uh, learned a lot. This uh, propelled me into speaking at various conferences, uh, UFO conferences, about extraterrestrial reality and the fact that uh, uh, they're here. Uh, Some of them are here on a repeat basis and... uh, came to the attention of some people in government and the military and intelligence. Uh, and uh, while they were cautious, cautioning me, uh, the very fact that they felt the need to do that tells me that this was real in their book as well. Fast forwarding to present time, um, <clears throat> I, uh, <clears throat> as a uh, I said on my webpage, I have uh, this breaking story, if you will, that's come to my attention in the last few days, mostly because a uh, classified National Security Agency video uh, that was done in 1964 has suddenly emerged on the Internet. Um, This shows an interview with an extraterrestrial by a military officer at 
of the NSA done at uh, a facility near Area 51. And this interview of an extraterrestrial, uh, the punchline is that the extraterrestrial, EBE-3 was the name they gave him, uh, his main concern was to warn us that uh, 54 years later after his interview, a figure would rise in the United States that, who would take actions that would lead to global nuclear war. And so uh, I perked up when I heard that, because global nuclear war, as we all know, is nothing to uh, ignore. I had, however, two other sources of information from my experience interviewing hundreds of people who had had extraterrestrial encounters on a professional basis as a psychologist. I uh, kind of gleaned some common themes from these interviews, and uh, in many of them, the people said that one of the things their extraterrestrial visitor showed them or put in their heads as a picture was global nuclear war. So all these people had gotten the same message from other extraterrestrials who had made contact with them. The third source was uh, I have a colleague who's uh, a very close and trusted friend who has contact by a star person on a regular basis. Her name is Wendy, and the star person is Ashioma. And he sent an urgent message through her to me uh, several weeks ago. Again, uh, global nuclear war is looming, and he put the timeline as the fall of this year. Now, that all these sources of information are independent but converging, so I put high credibility in the message. And uh, I, I don't want to rattle on, uh, allow you to get a break in here, but... Uh, oh, well, uh, we're about five minutes away from the break, and frankly, you're okay. here to rattle on, so we're happy okay. to hear I'm I'm enjoying listening <laughs> to your story. I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, well, this is the uh, biggest story of all time, and maybe the last story of all time, if we don't do something about it. So pardon me if I wax on a little. Uh, my yeah, that's best, a good reason. I have a bit of psychic ability, and so when Ashioma said this fall, I tuned that in a little more, and what I got as the hit is that uh, it would be October. Now, to take the Zeta Elder, uh, who is uh, on the NSA videotape being interrogated uh, at what he said and putting the pieces together. He said the male leader of the United States in 2018, well, you get one guess who that is, will have a brief tenure. uh, But what he's mostly cautioning is that this individual would weaken democratic institutions by appealing to people's most primitive instincts, fear, tribalism, and religious and political dogma, that this will lead to international condemnation of him eventually. And in reaction to that international condemnation, the president will order a preemptive nuclear strike. Now, EB3 didn't say which country would be hit by that strike, but uh, my reading of the situation is North Korea. 
and after that first strike, the heads of certain other nuclear powers will retaliate, he says, uh, EB-3 says, and that this will escalate into global nuclear war, and the resulting radiation will spread widely, killing millions, polluting the earth with fallout, and causing a mass die-off of most humans. And uh, EB-3 didn't just come as a doomsayer. He said there's two things we can do to stop this World War III from happening. The first, he said, was to protect your democracy from political and religious dogma. And the second thing he said is protect your democracy from rejection of objective fact. Now, this may sound a little intellectual and wonky, but uh, when we're dealing with life and death for the entire planet, I think we ought to listen to the guy's words with great care. I can go into more detail about what I think that means about how we can get mobilized and help our fellow citizens and ourselves protect our democracy and prevent this trigger incident that would create global nuclear war from happening. And if we're too close to the break... uh, I can go into that in more detail after we get through that. Yeah, we are coming right up on the break here, but it does seem like um, a lot of the things that he was saying were are running very neck and neck with how at least half the population feels that the country is going right now. You know, I'm yeah. sure half the listeners out there are shaking their heads, going, "Oh yeah, that's what's happening right now," and the other half are probably shaking their heads, going, "Oh no, you know we." We're happy with our president, but we're definitely split yeah. down the middle as, as far as yeah. the country is concerned. Well, I have the concern in this message that people are going to think it is somebody grabbing an extraterrestrial to kind of get his own political agenda out in the public. That's not it at all. In fact, the extraterrestrial said he didn't know what the name in 1964, didn't know what the name of the 19, I mean, the 2018 president would be. But he knew that that is the figure who would escalate this thing. So it isn't a political bias kind of a statement. It's just cold fact about what's coming up. And a president really only has so much power. Uh, You know, a lot of that, the other things that would have to go into that would have to come from... from We are a democracy, and we kind kind of forget that at times and let the White House and Congress and our state houses run our lives and but once in a while the people get up and get out in the streets and make their will known uh the ladies did that last january in a way that got national television attention so we are still a democracy and the the bottom line is if enough people get concerned about something we can make uh new directions happen Well, I hope both sides are out there thinking about positive social change. We're coming up on our first commercial break here. Uh, You're listening to Dr. Richard Boylan here on Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Dr. Richard Boylan. And we are talking about a warning from the past about our future, but this warning is actually from the future. So I think this might be a little confusing to our guests how could to our an alien, yeah, from our, to our listeners, sorry about that. Um, how could an alien tell us what's in our future? But, um, from my understanding, this, the aliens, cause, 
All right, so supposedly gray aliens are from Zeta Reticuli, and in the video it appears to be a gray alien, and in in the statement, this gray alien is actually a human mutated from the nuclear war from far in the future that has somehow returned and is giving us this message. Is that correct? Basically, that's it. I, I uh, like to call them Zeta uh, star visitors, um, but they are, and they populated elsewhere. They left Earth, went out, and populated other planets after their mutation. But they are our descendants if we don't stop this nuclear war. And uh, I may suffer uh, prejudice, but I think a few people would agree with me that looking at uh, this particular uh, extraterrestrial, uh, Zeta Elder, uh, that uh, he's not uh, the prettiest thing you've ever looked at. And if that's how the human race is going to look after enough years of this radiation, that alone should be a cautionary tale that we don't want to let this global nuclear war happen. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, he was beaten with an irradiated ugly stick. Yeah. But, you know... So stop I, nuclear war for cosmetic reasons. <laughs> right. Got it. That's right. Um, yeah. I have always thought that it was weird that gray aliens, you know, when people are reporting aliens, and when people report aliens in general, I always thought it was weird that they were humanoid. Mm-hmm. So this sort of answers some of those questions, yeah. you know. Well, uh they're not the only species out there. I've dealt with others and uh, studied uh, and, and learned about a number of races that are visiting Earth with some frequency, but these are the all-time most frequent flyers here. And the reason they uh, are so intensely uh, making Earth their project is because it is their ancestral home world. And uh, they would like nothing better than to come back through time and uh, they know how to do time-space jumps uh, and uh, get word to us to stop this before it's too late. They would just as soon have time change and they cease to have exist or go into a separate space-time dimension where they're there, but uh, our, our reality world is that there was no global nuclear war. They're willing to suffer that jolt to their existence as the price of saving us, their ancestors. Uh, They feel terrible about what happened to Earth, what happened to the humans on Earth, and if there's any way it could stop and be prevented in time, they're here to try and help us do that. But they can only help us. We have to do the heavy lifting. And the the measures they're talking about to... uh, stop this global nuclear war are uh, really twofold. The first is to change the whole political culture that the uh, the president uh, is escalating with that uh, will become so extreme that the uh, entire international community will come down on him with a unified statement of condemnation and because his ego doesn't take such universal scorn gracefully. He will do, as he often does, a distracting gesture to uh, distract people, his followers, away from universal uh, international condemnation. And that gesture will be to lob some nukes onto North Korea. 
and um, that, of course, will not go down smoothly. We know that uh, North Korea has allies, uh, principally China, to some degree Russia, and uh, a nuking of North Korea would precipitate a response from those countries, and once you get the big powers lobbying nuclear missiles at each other, all hell breaks loose. Absolutely. And uh, it's possible Iran may get into the mix, too, because they have some stake as allies with the other powers. So anyway, uh, it's going to be a giant mess if we get that far. So, um, you know, Sean had a good point here where he said that it's like the book came out 50 years ago, yeah. yet we have a test uh, tomorrow. Right. We've, we've had the book for, for 54 years, and, you know, we, we've we got to be ready for the test in, in in October, and we haven't even started in on it yet. It, well, I'll, I'll it give you another like punchline, uh, you know, Sean. We've got some trouble. Yes. You know, the trouble is that EBE was interviewed in 64. Mm-hmm. But what did the NSA do? They put it in their vaults and sat on it. That video never saw the light of day until Edward Snowden grabbed it up with a bunch of other sensitive papers and walked out of the NSA and dumped his file, NSA files to the world. So did the, I would assume that, I guess my first question here would be, is the implication that the, president and the government are a part of this or that they're sort of that we're all sort of unwitting pawns in the outcome of our history unless we change our our path well it's it's difficult when you talk about the government being a part of this there's sort of a yes and a no answer to that uh the nsa is not a, a monolithic organization either uh, there is what I call a shadow government operating within the official government, uh, some dark figures who work for a cartel of uh, very powerful people behind the scenes who like to make world events happen for their benefit. And uh, they have enough infiltrators within NSA, CIA, the government, and uh, elsewhere uh, that they can often spot something happening and grab it up, destroy it, seal it, uh, make it go away, if you will. And in this case, one of their operatives spotted this video, said, uh-oh, and uh, made sure it stayed in a vault and, and never uh, got out into circulation release to the public. And so... We've lost 54 years of lead time to do something about this, and uh, thank God this just leaked out now. You know, so, if I, uh, if better I had late to, than never. If I had to to stretch my brain here, I think that um, you know, with these aliens willing to destroy their own future and past in order to save their own ancestral history. It leads me to believe that there are probably also aliens within their culture who don't want that to happen and don't want to see an end to themselves. And that conceivably could be working with the, with the shadow government, because it's kind of hard for me to conceive of a government who sees this thing and believes this thing, but yet isn't actively trying to keep it from happening. You're talking about a human or a 
extraterrestrial government. Uh, both working in in conjunction, you know that that maybe there is a part of our government that um, is basically being incentivized to allow this to happen because they want their future to continue. Uh, there is a group I call the Cabal. They are a, a cartel of ruthless, super-powerful, super super-wealthy individuals who shape and control world events behind the scenes. Uh, th- these are the people who have their agents in every level of society, making sure nothing happens that surprises them and controlling things. They, uh, they definitely uh, don't care if this global nuclear war happens because they have made preparations for decades for uh, well-insulated underground cities where they can endure while the radiation on on top of of the soil uh, destroys everybody and mutates everything to unrecognizable levels. Uh, They want to win, and uh, if it takes knocking all the humans out so they can... uh, they can uh, be the ones who uh, are left when the smoke clears, if you will. Uh, that's fine with them, but they uh, uh, want to win, and uh, so they're 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 not too concerned about global nuclear war. Yeah, well, that definitely makes sense. Uh, we're coming up on our commercial break here. Uh, You are listening to Dr. Richard Boylin here on Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our our guest, Dr. Richard Boylin. And we are talking about Star Children, Messages from the Future via the Past. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book, The Human Star Nation's Connections, Key to History, Current Secrets, and Our Near Future. Can you tell us a little about your book? Yes. This is a result of my working with hundreds of people who've had extraterrestrial encounters, close encounters. And uh, aside from the unusual visits, in many cases, these people were transformed, including physically, by these visits. It seems like the um, the visit resulted in their developing new powers, or maybe the powers were there, but they were brought out and had been sleeping before. Things like uh, psychic ability, um, sensitivity to things going on around them, ability to... Uh, feel what people are thinking to affect the world around them in ways that are a little like uh, what people see in the Star Wars movies the Jedi is doing. Uh, These uh, star kids uh, typically are much smarter, grow up faster than other kids. Uh, They have a certain energy about them. People tend to notice them when they walk into the room. People can kind of turn around and say, or at least notice the uh, energy when this person enters the room. Uh, These kids are, um, and of course some of them have been around so long that they've now grown up and are adults, so instead of star kid, I call them star seed adult, are going to be the kind of people who will become leaders in our society at every level from PTA and local city council and uh, 
civic organizations up through state government, federal government, and, and internationally, including uh, UN and other uh, international level organizations. These people are the result of changing uh, that happens basically, I would say, in two main ways, one of which is uh, prenatally the uh, star visitors visit a person's uh, mother or father, borrow some of their reproductive material, do a little gene splicing to splice in some um, higher order genetics than would naturally happen with that human uh, genetic material. And then when the child then put it back in the human, and then when the person goes on to have a child, that kid is born with a much higher set of abilities and development style. Uh, the other way this seems to happen is uh, a person who is has an encounter is uh, taken up into a craft and uh, the makeover is done with some high-tech equipment on board the craft that the humans and myself too don't really understand but it's done to them and when they get done they're operating at a higher level than before so anyway there's a lots of these star kids and star seed adults now this wave really got happening big in the 70s and 80s and uh, by now of course many of these people are adults or even uh, middle age on up do they know what they are well, I'm one myself. I'm one of the earliest ones when this was not fashionable, if you will. Uh, that's a long time ago, but luckily in this galaxy. Uh, but um, what these people, there's two kinds, ones of which, you know, have put two and two together and figured that who they are as a result of the uh, star visitor encounters they've had and uh, attribute correctly to the star visitors the fact that they've been upgraded and uh, genetically and uh, are operating at a higher level than Joe Average. The other folks are out there, and they have these kind of breakthrough experiences where they can go walking down the street and they know what the person next to them is thinking, even though it's a perfect stranger, for example. In other words, ability to read somebody else's mind. Or they uh, get in a situation and they, they get this strong feeling they know what's going to happen next and how it's going to turn out. And sure enough, lo and behold, it does. They go home and scratch their head and say, boy, that was weird. wonder what the hell's going on. In other words, they don't know yet that they're a star kid or a star seed, but they know something's going on and that they're different and they're puzzled. One of the reasons I wrote this book is to give people who don't know what's going on, an understanding of this phenomenon, so that if they are one of the star kids, the star seeds, and I give a whole bunch of signs by which they can tell that, then, uh, then the mystery is solved and they understand themselves better and they're more prepared to get relaxed and start functioning at that higher level and realize for them it's the new normal, it's the new natural. So um, how can one uh, go about getting a copy of your book? Well, you can um, get it from uh, Amazon. It's uh, 
uh, you can go online and uh, order it. Uh, I just went there today on the Amazon site, and uh, you can have it in a couple days, or you can get it through your bookstore. Uh, It's, uh, I think, under $20. Amazon raised a little price from when it first came out, but... uh, it's under twenty dollars, and uh, it is a good read. And I will tell you, it is very thorough. Uh, it gives you everything about uh, what star kids are, from soup to nuts. And uh, it is uh, going to answer all your questions. There's even a quiz in there. You can take it, and if you get sixteen of the items, yes, this applies to me. Then you know for sure you're a star kid. So it's it's very handy. It's easy to use. It's it's extremely informative, and I give some stories in there from Star Kids and Star Seeds telling about their own life experiences, so you can get kind of a handle on what it's like to function as one. It's not just uh, you know these Star people being humans being a kind of curiosities in the population. As a matter of fact, the Star Kids and Star Seeds are so numerous now because these encounters have been going on all over the world for decades that the uh, star kids and the star seeds and the human population now are numerically over 50% of the whole population. In other words, there's slightly more star kids and star seeds than, than regular humans in the human population right now. Most of them, of course, have not wakened up yet because uh, this information is kept suppressed like UFO reality is kept suppressed. Uh, Governments are real super happy to have this phenomenon come out and be admitted, but everybody owes it it to themselves to know who they really are. So I encourage everybody to read uh, Star Kids and and the book and to, if they have any hunch that this may apply to them, and uh, learn fully who they are and what their life is likely to be. Well, and, uh, um, we're coming up here on the end of the interview. Where where can our listeners find out more about you? Do you have a, a website or a way they can contact you? Oh, yes. Thank you very much for that. Yes, my website is www.drboyland.com, spelled D-R-B-O-Y-L-A-N.com. And uh, the information on there will, will set you Back on your heels. Uh, if you think today's news is big, it is big. It's probably the biggest thing on the page, but it's by no means the only uh, uh, report of interest in there. It is very thorough. <coughs> well, I thank you. Presentation on star kids, uh, star seed adults, UFOs, the star people, who they are, uh, the human interactions with them, a bit about our government's secret interaction with them, and uh, where this whole thing is headed. Well, I thank you very much for being on the show, Doctor. We've really enjoyed having you. Um, You've been listening to Dr. Richard Boylan here on Radio Wasteland. Check him out, D-R-B-O-Y-L-A-N.com. This is Radio Wasteland. Thank you. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. We've been listening to our guest, Dr. Richard Boylan, as he's been talking to us about the end of the world. That's right. So, uh, you know, I really, 
got to just kind of come out and say it. You know, you end up getting topics like this from people like this, and you research the topic a little bit, and uh, you watch the video, and you go into this thinking, this guy might be an absolute nut job. Sure. And then you hear them talk, and they're articulate, and they're consistent, and, uh, you know, it makes you start to wonder, maybe maybe the world's going to end in October. Yeah, time to pack it in, everyone. Yeah, well, as the guy you that I... run. Yeah, a friend of mine, Michael, that I work with, said that uh, if it is going to end in October, he's going to have to clear out the 40 bucks from his savings account and go get hammered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, It'd be uh, nice if we could get, a like, a, a date and time. Right. So we can, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, I, I we'll think we'll try and work on that before October. Right. I, I think the implication was that they didn't really know because, um, sure, you know, they had evolved after the fact, and you know. So the one answer here that it really answered for me that I sort of liked in this dogma belief system of aliens is that I've always thought it was kind of weird that how they're so interested in Earth. Oh, yeah, that, that's part of it, that they're so interested in Earth, for one, and for two, that they're humanoid. Right. That they have noses and eyes and mouths. Well, sort of noses. Well, you know, the they're like... A, but, yeah, eyes and mouths, certainly. Yeah, they're like Voldemort. Yeah. You know, they got the nose. Voldemort people, yes. Yeah. Alien... In the future, we will all be Voldemort. Yeah, they who shall not be named. <laughs> But no, I, I do have this problem, and because they're just all oh yeah, there's a good explanation. Yeah, for there's it. Yeah. N- there's Nordic aliens. They look like humans, only Nordic people. Oh, there's bird aliens. They look like humans, only with feathers. Oh, there's reptilians. Oh, they look like humans, only they're reptile people. This is starting <laughs> to sound a lot like the Gorn and stuff from Star Trek. It's like, do we really live in a universe that's populated with prosthetic foreheads? Yeah. You know, so this really did sort of make some sense. And and it, it sort of fits your argument from before that any species who was able to do faster than light travel was also able to travel through right. time. Right. See, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm not saying it's true, but, you know, if future humans develop faster than light technology, we would be seeing them all over the place. Right. Slash time. Or they'd but, be hiding, you know, like, like they supposedly are. Right. You know? But, you know, in theory... There's no reason that if you couldn't go faster than light, you couldn't visit essentially anywhere at any point in time. Right. <laughs> and and so that kind of like fits that if there is this time travel along with so space travel. So what would travel, they be interested in is their past, probably. Right. And, and maybe the universe is populated with humanoids with prosthetic foreheads yeah. in the sense like, have you seen uh, the movie's not particularly good, but it's on uh, Netflix called The Titan. No. And they're going to populate the the moon of Titan and they, they genetically alter uh, this guy so that he can live in that environment. Right. But they take what's going on here on earth in order to alter him because that's what we have. And so the argument that if you're going to be on this, this uh, lizard friendly planet, you know, maybe you make lizard people, maybe you make bird people, maybe you make Nordic people and maybe throughout the human history, you know, as we start to control our own evolution, maybe we're the ones who actually populate right. the universe. Yeah. Some form of life had to be the first. Oh, you know, absolutely. maybe it is us. You know, everybody <laughs> says like, oh, well, you know, there's got to be older civilizations than us. Maybe not. Maybe we're the oldest civilization out there. Maybe. You know, there's just so many unknowns. <laughs> there is. Yeah. There, there really are. So I, 
I don't know. I'm not going to say necessarily I was convinced, but I was like, to be honest, a little spooked. Yeah, like, I thought so too. by how yeah. I, it's hard to describe, but just like I guess how confident he was in what he was saying. Yeah, it's like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it always because amazes. It's, it's pretty frightening stuff. Yeah, honest. it amazes me when you have these people with like these careers. You know, yeah. I mean, he obviously lived to be a senior citizen who can pay the bills and take care of himself. So he's he's obviously not. Yeah, you know, I can't say that. Batshit crazy, <laughs> you know. It's like he's obviously right. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm retirement is not on my plate. You know, he was a psychiatrist. He had to have degrees to get that. You know, yeah. he obviously was a successful more human functional being. than your average person. Frankly. Right. Exactly. You know. So, so, uh, so you say you're not convinced. So let's take this to Jared. Jared, do you think that the world is going to end in October? Well said. No. No, you don't? No. Yeah. All right. Jared's a no. What are you? I'm a probably not, but I'm freaked out that you're asking the question. All right. I'm a god. I hope so. <laughs> you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. We got some news. Hey, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Sean, you got some news for us? I know you've been busy this week. Radioactive sheep. Okay, this makes me think of some of my favorite movies of all time, but go ahead. Oh, I I wasn't going to explain any more than that. That's it? Yeah, radioactive sheep. Okay, because I got some stuff to say about it. (laughs) No, no, okay, hold on. Um, So, the existence of radioactive sheep in in a new study is shedding light, so to speak, on a mysterious... Uh, burst of light recorded by the Vela satellite in the South uh, Indian Ocean in 1979, which has, as of yet, gone unidentified. Um, now, for a long time, people have thought, you know, maybe it was nuclear detonation on account of just the unique... Uh, it looked like a nuclear detonation. Could have been a meteorite, but people were leaning towards nuclear detonation. Just how bright it was. It... Well, not just that, but apparently, uh, I didn't understand all the details, frankly, but apparently nuclear detonations do have a very unique sort of two-flash signature. Like, there's an initial flash, and then that kicks off a second explosion. Well, that might be uh, thermonuclear, then. Exactly. Okay. Um, So, the thing about this is that no one has ever claimed responsibility for this secret test, um... And there's there's no particular reason why any of the big powers that we know have nukes would have kept it secret. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the U.S., China, Britain, whatever. If they had done the test, we would know that. Um, so, for a long time, people have taken this as evidence that perhaps Israel or South Africa or, or so forth, some of the nations that uh, claim... Not to have nukes, but everyone in the international community is kind of like, oh, come on. We know you have some nukes. Right. You know, you've got a few nukes hidden away Admit somewhere. It. So what about that one nuke you got? Uh, I almost got you. Right. So this has for a long time, just because of the time period and the fact that it was clandestine, been attributed as a nuclear test to Israel. But no one's really sure. Okay. So 
they're pretty secretive. Exactly. The information that came out recently is basically what looks like fairly solid confirmation that it was indeed a nuclear explosion and not like a meteor or something Mm. because of the presence of these sheep with very particular, um, basically that grew up with very particular isotopes of various elements in their bodies Mm. who were, you know, pretty much exactly where you'd expect the fallout to have gone Mm. at that time. So, um... You know, that's a that's a mystery that still endures, but probably there's a few more nuclear powers in the world than, than maybe we're really sure. Which I thought was salient, since we were talking about nuclear annihilation this show. And it's like, yeah. there's more players than we realize. It is, but I mean, with the proof of the sheep, uh, exactly. you know, I wonder if uh, somebody's going to fess up at this point, <laughs> you know. Well, no I mean, one has yet, but well, it's mean, only been a few days, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're, we seem to be in some rocky water with Israel sure. in the sense that a lot of our population <laughs> seems to be sort of having an issue with Israel here right, lately. Um, you know, I was posting something. Well, I was I was downtown i think we were talking about it i was uptown and i was driving around and i saw that guy that that had the sign that said the jews did 9-11 and like and i'm like looking at the sign going like the first thing that i said crossed my mind is i wonder if he has a job and then (laughs) the second thing is like this is the first time that i had ever heard the possibility (laughs) that the jews did 9-11 you know i've heard a lot of um conspiracies about 9-11 of course and so i i posted to facebook making fun of it and you know quite a few people hopped in saying that that was a possibility and uh okay that's freaky well don't get me wrong i don't think it's a possibility (laughs) i don't think that's what happened i think that's freaky right that people were saying that right (laughs) i think osama bin laden did 9-11 but um but yeah, there 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 seems to be I researched it a little bit and there does seem to be some some issue there and also um anti-semitism is really on the rise in exactly. in Europe, you know, so it's like you know, I Yeah, it definitely is in Israel, is, you know, the whole Israel Palestine thing. That's never been a, a situation that sat well with anyone in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, I mean, we're part of what it's created that. It's just not a that. good situation. Our country is part of what created that. I mean, you know, uh, Exactly. What was it? 1961, something like it, that 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 right. Israel was not a country prior to that. Right. It, it's hard to have been involved in any way in that and not come out guilty of something awful. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but I've had this issue in my in my marriage, you know, that uh, that I used to never want to make a decision. I always just kind of floated around and blah, 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 and sort of let my wife make the decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally said something to me that made a lot of sense. She's just all, you know, people who make no decisions, everybody's mad at them all the time. But people who make decisions, at least only half the people are mad at them. <laughs> you know, and I'm all, yeah, that's a good point. You know, well, At least of. you're out there making decisions that only half the people are pissed. <laughs> but people who just flounder and, and do nothing, you know, um, everybody tends to be frustrated with those people. You know? That is true. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, the other thing is... You know, Israel is the most likely candidate in the minds of international observers, but we don't know. Yeah, no, we don't it, it know made if sense. it's it some sense, other but... random country that has nukes that we don't know about. You I'm, know? I'm constantly <laughs> amazed at what countries actually have 
like our nuclear powers or right. have nuclear power. You know, it's like they're just all Pakistan. I'm all Pakistan, really? <laughs> you know, okay. You know, it's like I don't really think of them as being a no. nuclear power, no, but don't. apparently they have nuclear power plants. Yeah. You know, what's up with that? <laughs> it's like, so you never really know. I mean, they're out there and I mean, the technology's yeah. out there and people just have to have the money to back it up and and be able to shut up some mouths in order to to do it. You know, nowadays it might be harder to do because, you know, uh, North Korea does a test and we pick it up on seismic exactly. radars. We know what's going on and what's happening, you know. But, but, you know, North Korea has gotten away with most of the stuff that's pulled in, in that arena, frankly. Well, that's because our country appears to be masters of purple prose and rhetoric. I don't think we're that great at it. We just do it a lot. We're <laughs> I, not I that great so. at it. <laughs> we're prolific. At we are purple prolific. Pro, pro, we're like R.L. Stein. You know, we're not that great, but we keep cranking our bucks. All right. And so before we go here, I got <laughs> to say, note. <laughs> I got to say, uh, Radioactive Sheep, the first thing that made me think of was the movie Black Sheep. And no, not the one with the guys. Who's in Black Sheep? I have no idea what you're talking Jared about. Jared knows. Who's in it? Uh Oh, the fat guy from SNL. Chris Farley. Chris Farley. And David Spade. <laughs> and David Spade. Right, right. Not so that lost one. Right now. There's this one from New Zealand about radioactive sheep that when they bite people, people become were sheep. This sounds amazing. It is. Is this like so a B good. movie from the 50s? Like black and white, hammy acting, the whole thing? No, it's full on just like awesome 2000s movie. Oh it, it basically, um, so there's this whole genre of movies out of New Zealand that it was really kind of started by Peter Jackson. And so it has this whole Peter Jackson dead alive thing. If you're a horror movie fan out there, you got to know dead alive and, and uh, bad taste and killer clowns from outer space. It really sort of matches with all of these. It's just great. Okay. All right. So you're listening to radio wasteland. I don't know. What do you think? Radioactive sheep. <laughs> <laughs>